This is a podcast about betting on sports, which is something you can do to try and make money. One important thing to know is that this podcast is not going to be the reason you get rich from sports betting. To repeat, we are not going to get you rich. Their sleazeballs abound all over the internet. We'll be happy to take your money to chase that lie. Here at best, we might make you a little bit less awful of a better if you're lucky. Bet at your own risk. Don't bet more than you can afford to lose. And Godspeed. Coming at you, 7.50 p.m., August the 20th, year of our Lord, 2020. Mr. J. Swa, what what is cracking? What's going on, Rob? Uh, nothing much. I like how you um, chose the dominant time zone, the East Coast, um, mm-hmm. to announce that as the correct answer on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am well. How are you? We have sports uh, plenty. Uh, we have football rapidly approaching. Uh, what's What's new with you? I don't think I have anything to report melting here in Arizona. The Coyotes are out of the NHL playoffs after a really sad last last game against the the Avalanche and Mr. McKinnon swiftly uh, swiftly put us back in our place. What's uh, what's on the agenda today, uh, nutrition wise, food wise for this here sports podcast? Uh, food. I just got done eating because we're we're on the beast coast, baby. Um, but uh, in terms of what's on the menu for this show, uh, we have uh, we're going to talk just briefly about the MLB, uh, then just talk about the NHL and NBA playoffs, and then this episode is uh, appropriately named uh, "How Not to Lose Your Fantasy Football Draft." So this is all things fantasy football. Um, we're gonna get started with that in about five minutes. If you you know you probably a big time sl- snowflake uh, we put in the the uh info with time so you can skip to that um but we're going to do five minutes of that and it's going to be all fancy football uh but yeah let's start with the uh tatis jr drama uh with the padres do you mind uh recapping the the people maybe didn't see that the breaking news here is that the san diego padres have an exciting young player his name's fernando tatis jr he controversially apparently decided to to uh, hit a big fly on a 3-0 pitch when they were up six or seven runs in the seventh inning, something like that. Uh, And everybody got in a big, big... uh, Everybody got upset. People were triggered in many different ways. And uh, it ended with him apologizing in a weird set of events. Uh, I thought it was weird. I think everyone thinks it's weird. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, he he breaks the quote-unquote unwritten rule of baseball, which is swinging at a 3-0 pitch in a in a rather lopsided game. This isn't a complete blowout, okay? I've, I've seen an Orioles game be 30-3 to before, okay? And it wasn't the Orioles with 30. So this wasn't a freaking total blowout. I've seen people come back from, from seven, eight uh, run leads before. Uh, but, yeah, so the unwritten rule is you're not supposed to swing at, you know, when it's 3-0 count that late in the game. So he drives it out there. The worst thing is his own ma- – so the Rangers, they're playing the Rangers. The Ranger manager orders the next player to be beamed, who's Manny Machado. I miss you so much, Manny. Um, and then the, the worst part is the Padres uh, manager comes out and just says, hey, he missed a sign. We didn't mean to offend anyone. So anyways, the, the crux of it all is that baseball is still living with these unwritten rules and I mean, baseball is just slowly, slowly dying. And I grew up, baseball is probably my first love. And they just almost intentionally, they, they must be intentionally, 
they just do everything they can to just not attract young uh, younger viewers. And I mean, Fernando Tatis is like leading the league in homers. He's a young superstar in the making. And you, instead of building him up, you are, you know, just having him put into this idiotic controversy. Um, you know, it's just, you know, the NBA in, I think, 2014, Adam Silver just became the commissioner. And he wrote an op-ed in New York Times saying, uh, you know, we should embrace sports betting and not be against it. MLB has been the, the one league that's pushed back the most, even though it's correlated with people who, you know, have more money, people that like to, you know, uh, play poker and fantasy sports, things like that. It's perfect for fantasy and there's numbers abound, but they don't embrace it. They don't, they don't embrace anything. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just baseball. It's unfortunate. I just hate to see it, you know, and I just read a quote. It said, you know, average person who says that the NBA is their favorite sport is what 31 and the average fan who says their favorite sport is MLB is 53. So I mean it's it's slowing to die you know it's it's dying slowly and you know by doing these unwritten rules it's just it's just speeding I should say speeding up the process I guess um, all right so I get get off the old pedestal here uh, it's you know it's just come on you know, let's embrace some things here baseball but anyways here's a here's a really interesting stat so about forty we're about forty percent way through the season unless you're you know the Marlins or the the Cardinals and um, Seven out of the eight teams in the American League are essentially have made the playoffs. Like these teams are in the playoffs already. Uh, there's just pretty much one spot available. Uh, seven of those eight teams, they have a, a 90% or higher rate of making the playoffs. And that's just because there's so many good teams in the AL, and there's like five or six just terrible teams. So it's pretty much like three or four teams may, trying to get that last spot. Conversely, in the National League, there's only two teams that have pretty much locked up a position. Um, and there's only two teams who've been eliminated, so that means there's 11 teams kind of vying for these six spots. Um, we're kind of keeping an eye out. Uh, we're about 10 or 11 days away from the trade deadline, uh, just to see who's buyers, sellers, things of that nature. Uh, but that, that's kind of what's new with the MLB. Um, anything you want to talk about, either drama-wise or, or the playoff scenario, before we move to the NBA? Let's get that NBA. That's it. Um, I haven't been watching too, too much. It's mostly just been box scores and some highlights, but it seems like it's been a lot, a very interesting series so far. Um, the, the underdogs have done better than we've expected. And I, I, we kind of talked about that, right, with no home court and obviously um, the bubble life and whatnot. Um, so the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Bucks have all lost already as heavy favorites. Uh, I think the Mavericks could easily be up 2-0 in the Clippers, which is wild. Um, tonight I actually have a bet uh, with uh, the – Lakers coming back after getting Dame timed uh, in game one. Uh, the Lakers shot like 12% or something of that nature. Uh, but uh, so we'll see that at nine o'clock. Uh, if you haven't seen Alex Caruso, he's probably the uh, the sexiest um, athlete in the world. Um, Rob can fill you in on that possibly a little bit later. Um, but yeah, so I'll be rooting for him and the Lakers tonight. Minus six. Um but, yeah, it, it's definitely been more underdogs. Uh, the Jazz, I think, could easily be up 2-0 right now. Uh, I don't know if you caught that, but, like, Donovan Mitchell was bringing up the ball and got an eight-second violation because he didn't bring it up fast enough, and they ended up losing an OT. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been really exciting. I, I, I'm i excited. I think the Rockets could have a chance of maybe beating the Lakers or if the, the Blazers were to advance. Um, I'm excited to kind of start tuning into that. Uh, I thought the action was going to come with the second round, but it seems like it, it's already here. Have you catch? Or, me, have you caught any of the uh, the games so far? 
I have, I have. I watched Luca win last night, uh, and I watched that game one with the Lakers, the damn time stuff. Uh, pretty compelling, and my favorite story so far maybe is Carmelo Anthony is good at basketball again. I don't know. Seems cool. Yeah, definitely nostalgic factor uh, through the roof. Uh, it's going to be a fun series. Uh, I, what I love about the NBA is, like you know, I, I've said multiple times, I, I normally don't bet it. Um, so it's really fun just to be a casual fan and, and just uh, appreciate uh, these just boss, boss athletes, which they are. Um, and then, you know, the Rockets just out there essentially just teaching a math class by how they play basketball. Um, I know it's ugly, but I, I love it. Uh, but, yeah, and then moving to the NHL, um, favorites are actually doing a lot better than, so far than when you expected. Uh, the two most talented teams in the East are the Bruins and the Lightning. Um, they've already advanced. And the two most talented teams, they are also are the highest two seeds, uh, Vegas and Colorado, have already event, uh, advanced. Um, so it's kind of playing more towards chalk where we expected maybe a little bit more variance. Um, the Caps are on the brink right now of elimination. Um they they don't deserve to be, to advance. I don't even want to get into it. Um, but I think these next couple series are are going to be a lot of fun. And the best part is, especially as football is coming up, it's just showing you how busy these sports books are. So they're so busy with you know having put lines out for all these things that's going to leave us for some opportunities where hey they're not checking you know uh, you know football you know updating their football things every day or uh, updating their MLB division odds every day and, and we can kind of catch them on that if that makes any sense. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about before we move to the lovely fantasy football? Let's hit that fantasy. All right. All right. So this is the, the main part of the, the episode here. And uh, as Rob mentioned, you know, this is a great way for everybody who kind of hits me up for fantasy advice or, you know, preseason football advice. I'm just going to just send them this, this podcast and say, hey, th- this is what, how I'm going to help you, uh, you know, not lose your fantasy football draft. And, you know, I really do think the fantasy industry is the reason why we see sports betting uh, nowadays. It was the, kind of the, the first thing that, that got us close to where we are now in terms of uh, betting on games. Um, if you look back on it, I mean, there's a reason why Thursday night football, when it was the Jaguars versus the Titans, you know, people actually watched that. It was fantasy football. Uh, it wasn't because, you know, people had sediment for the Jacksonville area and wanted to watch their local football, you know, that local football team. Um, so this was my, my first love fantasy sports. Um, so definitely a little nostalgic here. Um, but yeah, first thing I want you to know going into your draft is you need to know the settings of your league. You need to know, um, how many quarterbacks you have, how many wide receivers you have. Uh, it makes a difference if you're on ESPN or on Yahoo. Uh, it makes a difference, you know, how big your league is, how good are the people in your league? How bad are they? Uh, but the first and foremost thing is, is your league a PPR league? Rob, I would love for you to try to guess at what you think it means for a PPR league. Points per reception. Yes. Yes. Excellente. So, yes, points per reception is um, what that stands for. And essentially that's benefiting wide receivers and running backs who catch more passes. So – uh, the rankings that I'm going to talk about, the the rankings that I that I'm going to provide, these are half PPR. So some leagues nowadays, most leagues are either PPR or half PPR. But back in the day, you did not get a point per reception. So if you're playing in a PPR league, that's that's probably semi the most common. 
the other half common are, are um, the half P, uh, PPRs, so you get half a point uh, per reception, and then very few leagues now are no uh, points per reception. But that affects the rankings. So, for example, a player that comes to mind, Tariq Cohen of the Bears, he's a running back. All he does is catch passes. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't. He's so small and shifty that he doesn't even run the ball. So he's pretty much worthless in, in non-PPR leagues. Half a point PPR leagues, he's, he's okay but really has no upside. But in full PPRs, he uh, he has some decent upside. So you need to know that. The second thing is, is um, quarterbacks, how many do you have? Most leagues do one. Uh, that's a that's an important thing because if you do one quarterback, you probably you don't even need a backup quarterback uh, because you have uh, so many on the waiver wire that you, there's no reason to even use a bench spot for them. Also, two wide receivers, three wide receivers, and then lastly, I think the most important thing is ESPN versus Yahoo. ESPN uh, versus Yahoo. And what I mean by that is on certain uh, lead, or excuse me, on, on ESPN they have certain default rankings that are going to be different than Yahoo's certain default rankings. And you need to know the differences in between that. Obviously, you should be coming with your own rankings, things of that nature, but you, the way they rank the, the players um, is different, uh, sometimes more substantially than others. I'll give a few examples here in a second, but before we, we go over that, is there anything uh, that stands out that, uh, that I, I mentioned that first point there? Uh no, not especially. It sounds like do some pretty basic homework. Right, right. And we'll get in. There's there's more sophisticated homework, but that's the first thing you need to know is those simple, simple things. Um, so some players that are going uh, higher in uh, Yahoo draft, excuse me, in ESPN drafts. Deshaun Watson's going about 11 picks higher in ESPN than Yahoo. Uh, Tom Brady's going about nine picks higher. Uh, conversely, Dak Prescott's going about 12 picks. Uh, higher in Yahoo rather than ESPN. So you, uh, and I'll prov- provide a full list of these cons uh, or, or comparisons, excuse me. But that right there is this, is built-in uh, advantage. If you go to running back, I legitimately want to start an ESPN league just because Joe Mixon is 14 points higher in ESPN than Yahoo. So in Yahoo, he's pretty much the 11th overall pick. In uh, ESPN, he's 20. Uh, 25.9, so almost 26th pick. I mean, he, he's an absolute steal. He should be a first-round uh, pick, and you can get him maybe even the third round on ESPN. Now, these are ADPs. This is average draft position. This doesn't mean you know every single draft that's obviously going to be there, but on average, he's going 15 picks later. That's that's incredible. Uh, another one is James Conner is going about 20 picks later on ESPN than Yahoo. Jonathan Taylor, uh, 32. Like I said, there, there are several of these, and I'll post the list so instead of going through all of them. But the overall gist is, uh, you know, know the difference. Do a do a mock draft on ESPN and do a Yahoo, uh, one on Yahoo, even if you just draft on Yahoo, just to see, oh, wow, he went in the fourth round here. Uh, and then, you know, over here he goes in the sixth round. So just knowing those little differences. Uh, another point which I alluded to a little bit there is do a mock draft, okay? It takes 30 at most 30 minutes. We're going to do one tonight with, with my rankings, but doing a mock draft just helps so, so much because it puts you in scenarios where you'll be familiar with when it does come to your draft. Okay, so you get to the fourth, fifth round, you have to decide between wide receiver Y and, and running back X, and it's going to be so much easier if you did that mock draft 30 minutes before your real draft because you're at that same exact point. 
And it's just even I do. I, I've I've already done probably five high dollar drafts already. And even after all the training and, and mock drafts I do, I still get into dilemmas where if I wasn't prepared for it and talk myself, you know, down on the ledge, uh, I I would have made a less than optimal decision. Uh, so just just make sure you're doing a mock draft. Another thing is you do need to have your own rankings. Okay. I'm going to provide my rankings. You can take mine. Okay, I'm doing them for Yahoo, half PPR leagues, uh, 10-man pro leagues is what I, I normally do. So that's very default settings for Yahoo. You're going to have to adjust them if you're just going to copy and paste them. But you do need to have your own rankings. And I also think you should have them, uh, if you can, uploaded onto your draft. And then also I have them written down. So I cross off uh, the position rankings, and that, that helps a lot. Um, the third thing is, is it's important to have overall uh, ranking, so all the positions combined. But after about the 50th pick, it, it really doesn't matter. And, and I'm only providing the top 50 or so picks because I go to tiers after this. And if there's one thing you take from this podcast, I want you to try to embrace tiers. And what that is, is that way you know where the talent drops off at each position. And once you get to the 50th picking a draft, it's going to be different, right? You, I can give you average draft position, but you're, this, you know, this simulation is only happening one time. So it might be that, oh, well, you know, at 51 on my list here, this guy's supposed to be available, but by that far in the draft, it's already created its own animal, you know? So you should go to the tiers. What the tiers is, is ranking the positions uh, and, and just breaking them into tiers. And what do I mean by that is, so, for example, the first six picks in every draft should be this. Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, and Dalvin Cook. Okay. After that tier, so that's the first tier of running backs, then tier two, you can have Clyde Edwards-Solaire, Miles Sanders, Joe Mixon, but you could put Michael Thomas in there. But that way it shows you where it's okay to take somebody else from a different position or where that talent drops off. So it's showing you that from uh, Dalvin Cook at six to Clyde Edwards-Solaire at seven at running back, that's a bigger jump than from five, Derrick Henry, to Dalvin Cook. Does that make any sense, Rob? Yeah, yeah, tiers where, you know, within them they're kind of tightly grouped, and then be mindful of the gaps between tiers is what you're saying. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, not all tiers are, are created equal, uh, but as you do your mock draft, you will start to see where there are bigger drops, where there aren't. And a good way to look at it is in between the tiers, um, you might think, uh, so for example, like we, we said, the six running backs in tier one. So Christian McCaffrey is going to be better than Saquon probably 60 to 65 percent of the time, okay, because he's the number two pick. But Christian McCaffrey is probably going to be better than the person at the end of that tier, probably closer to 70 to 75 percent of the time, right? So that gap is is going to be a little bit bigger from two to six, um, you know, than than one to two, but it's going to be not as much as from one to seven, which is Clyde Edwards-Solaire. That makes sense. So it's just showing you where, okay, now where there's a gap, there's a larger gap between. Uh, you know, like you're saying, the, the the players that are at hand. And it really, what it, the best part about tiers is it allows you to find value late in the draft. It allows you to identify like, oh, wow, running backs are going early. Or, wow, tight ends are going, or, man, no one is taking quarterbacks. Or nobody, you know, that allows you to see where the value is. 
Um, and, and if you have never used tiers, I really highly recommend it because it's the easiest way to find value. Um, any questions about that? Have you ever implemented something like that? I know you don't play a lot of fantasy sports, but do you see where this concept can be um, beneficial in identifying value? Yeah, definitely. And I also think that when you're applying something like this, you talked about writing writing these things down. It's actually decently difficult to even like, let's say you had all your rankings in Excel, just like one through 50. It's not that easy to implement that in a draft with, I don't know, like some of them have what, 20, 30 second clocks, which is pretty fast. So the tiers seem like a definitely a key cheat sheet element to make that process easier. Absolutely. And all I do, all I ask of people that are listening to this is just try a mock draft with tiers and you will see, and I think Rob's point is, is excellent about the organization of things. It does flow so much easier because um, you have the overall ranks, but then you have the tiers too. Then you, you start seeing, and the best part is that you'll get to around five, around six, and you'll see, um, okay, wow, there's four running backs at this tier available, but there's only one wide receiver. So right there, that'll show you, well, let me take this wide receiver since there's such a drop-off after him. You know, So it, it just really helps you make those decisions in those 20, 30 seconds, like you said, um, that, that do, of course, seem so much quicker when, when it is you on the clock. Um, but yeah, that, that's the biggest thing I want. I, I really do ask the listeners uh, to try is just try the tiers. Maybe it's not for everyone, but um, it, it's definitely helped me a lot in my drafts. Uh, and I look back and it's like, man, I, I don't think I would have found that had I not had that organized out. Um, but yeah. And then just your overall general uh, flow of most drafts, um, you're going to want to get a running back for most most picks here. You're going to get running backs for the first two rounds. So there is a huge drop off from and I, I'm just going to reference my tiers uh, after uh, pretty much the ninth running back. So you get to the ninth running back, and there's a, or excuse me, uh, you get to the 14th running back, I believe, uh, between Aaron Jones and, and James Conner here, and there's a massive, massive uh, gap. So what you want to do is get two of those top 14 running backs, if possible, unless an elite pass catcher falls in your lap. I mean, that might be a Michael Thomas, that might be a Tyreek Hill, things of that nature. Uh, but you really want to get two of those. 14 um, running running backs because then you're not reliant from week one on starting those less reliable running backs after that drop. So, for example, the last of these 14 that I have ranked, um, I have Kenyon Drake, Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, and then there's this huge drop of guys in this next tier of Jonathan Taylor, James Conner, Chris Carson, Todd Gurley, and they just have huge question marks. And you just don't want to be reliant on those guys. Um, it's really a double sword. So first, or not even a double sword, it's a, it's a double whammy. Because you don't want to be reliant on those guys. And after those first uh, picks of, of running backs, those first 14 picks of running backs, all the value goes to the, to the wide receivers. Because the second tier of receivers, there's 14 receivers in the second tier that – I would put in a range of outcomes that the, the guy at the first, you know, the number one guy, which I have is Chris Godwin, is probably only going to beat the, the number 14 guy in that tier 60 to 65 percent of the time. So it's just showing you that you, that's where the value goes from early on from running back to then to wide receiver. 
and this will make more sense as we as we um, you know if you do a mock draft or you know you you follow the mock draft that we do, um, but that's where the value shifts. Um, so that that's kind of the general flow of things. Rounds three, four, and five, you really want to be looking pass catcher, whether that's wide receiver or a tight end. If you don't get a tight end kind of early, the elite uh, four, I like to call them, so that's Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, or Mark uh, Andrews. I wait. I wait really late, and it's actually a very deep year for tight ends. Um, you want essentially want to just stack up on running backs and wide receivers. Right around round five or six, that's when you want to look at maybe start getting a quarterback that falls to you in value. Um, but really the name of the game is running backs really early, then wide receivers, and then you kind of want to build depth. And, and once uh, value shows itself with quarterbacks and tight ends, then you, you pull the trigger. Um, that's kind of the general thro- uh, um, flow of things. At the end of the day, it, it value is value. You know, you might have this plan going in, but if a guy falls 10 picks and stars align, you, you, you got to take your value. Um, so that's why what I do is the first 50 picks I have overall rankings, and then I after that I go strictly to tiers based on what I need, based on what the draft's doing, and and based on uh, you know what what other people are, are doing. Does that make sense? It does. It does. I guess my only question for you here is um, when you get people who uh, have questions like. Oh man, but last year the guy who had Lamar Jackson just dominated the whole thing. I'm going to take him top five picks. What's your response to to that type of logic? Right, it, it's just um, you know you don't get you know any benefit from that because last year he was going in the tenth round. So it's just it's just opportunity cost. Um, you know, so you're you know if you're going to take Lamar Jackson five, that means you're passing on Derrick Henry. So um, instead of having a, a top you know tier running back. Now you have a, a top tier quarterback. Okay, that that's great, but see, at pick a hundred, I can get a Tom Brady or a Cam Newton, who's probably about five to six points um, less a game or, or less a game than Lamar Jackson. But at at that same hundred pick, I'm picking someone like um, let's see, uh, James White or Adrian Peterson, who's going to be about 15 points um, from what you know, a top five running back is going to be able to get me. So it's just, it's just opportunity cost. Um, so yeah, don't think you're outsmarting things by, by taking, you know, Patrick Mahomes number one overall or, or Lamar Jackson number number one overall. That is not, that is not the thing to do. Um, I, I would be shocked if I drafted Patrick. I mean, I'm probably going to do about 25, 30 leagues this year. I'd be shocked if I drafted Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. It, they would ha- have to absolutely fall to me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, and then finally, uh, before I get into some guys that I, that I like more than than the average uh, consensus, because I know that's what most people want, but once again, this is more about the the process, us thinking about things rather than um, you know just just the picks, if you will. You can't win the draft, but you, or you can't win your league uh, on draft day, but you can lose it. So just because you have a great draft, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, you know, it's pretty much just not losing is all you're doing with the draft. You want to set yourself up, um, you know, to do well. But you, you, you can't win your league on draft day. Uh, the overall concept is, is you want to, uh, you know, limit your risk and, uh, you know, open yourself to as much upside as you can. And it should be kind of asymmetrical. So as the draft goes all later, uh, you want to be open to more risk and, 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 you know, obviously get more and more riskier. 
Whereas early on, you want to focus about on floor. Okay, you want to focus floor. Obviously, you want upside, but you you can't have a guy who who you know might get hurt or something like that uh, first three rounds. But then you get around four, five, and six. That's when you start looking for upside. And then once you get about round seven or later, you don't even care about risk. If you cut the guy, that's fine. Because another, I think a number one strategy people forget is it's probably the sunk cost fallacy is, you know, everyone that's a free agent is technically on your team because you can get them whenever you want. So, you know, I, I don't want to hold on to this guy who who's going to be, a, 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 you know, a basement 100 player and, and you might be startable one or two weeks. I want a guy who could be a star or be a total bust. You know, it's 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 the first or last thing. You, you either want a guy who's going to help you win a league or you want to go to the free agency and find somebody new. You know, you don't want a guy who's just going to sit on your bench the whole year. That's that's not going to help you at all. It's just going to clog up a roster spot. Um, does that make sense before I go through some guys that I, I like a little bit more uh, than than the average people? Yeah, yeah, it does. I think it, it makes more sense what you're talking about with the context that you're playing like 25 or 30 leagues, right? And what you're trying to do is get your average uh, average pole position in all those leagues pretty high, win, I don't know, plenty of them, as many as you can, of course. But you're looking for uh, the, the best performance and accurate across all those. I think it's more interesting. People probably take weirder risks when they're just in one league, right? Uh, and, right. and may not be quite as defensive with the first, first five picks and, and think about floor like you're doing. Absolutely. And and at the end of the day, this is fantasy football. And for most of us, you know, you're not making serious money off this or even attempting to make serious money off it. And, and if that's your MO, then of course. But if you are a competitive little SOB, like most of you probably are, um, you know, that's what you need to be thinking. That's what you need to be doing. Uh, but it's, yeah, it is your choice. It's your buy in. You know, you want you want Lamar Jackson, you go take him, you know, and it's your thing. Um, this is just like I said, I, I, I just I'm putting this out here because um, you know, it's the whole goal of the podcast is just to give people the real angles and the real things you need to be doing if you want to have an edge and actually try to get some small small ROI, uh, you know, from your money on things. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Hey, if you're running this once and and you want a team that you want to you know enjoy on Sundays, that's fine. Obviously, do what you want. This is just to kind of um, you know, for, for the, for the competitive folk out there, Rob, but that's, that's smart of you to think of the snowflakes, Rob. That's smart. <laughs> okay. Here's some guys, uh, let's start the quarterbacks. Some guys that I, I'm higher on than maybe the, the average bear is, uh, Dak Prescott. I'm, it's actually really, really insane how high I am on the Cowboys this year. I, I really hate it. I really, really do, but they're, they're going to be so good. I actually would, if somebody wants to give me decent odds, I will take a bet that Dak Prescott, uh, finishes with a higher per game average uh, fantasy points wise than either Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, not both, but either one or the other. Um, if someone wants to give me a uh, decent odds on that, go ahead and DM me, but they have a, a new coach, a much better coach, but they have the same offensive coordinator. They were actually had the most yards um, gained last year, I believe, or if, if not in the most, then maybe the second most uh, yards overall. They're actually should have scored way more points than they did. Uh, and their new coach is, is like I said, uh, going to be a step up for them. Also, their defense got worse, so they're actually going to need to be in more shootouts. And then they drafted CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm pretty high on, um, on Dak Prescott. 
for drafting quarterbacks in general, um, you want to wait on them. There's so much value here. Let's say you play in a 10 or 12 man league, like most of us do. Um, you know, let's say the average team has maybe two quarterbacks. If you take an elite one, you don't need a backup quarterback. So let's say, you know, 18 to, to maybe 20 uh, quarterbacks are on a fantasy roster. That means there's over 10, if not 12, starting quarterbacks every week out there. And quarterback is a very um, easily to, to replace. So essentially, the number 20 quarterback is closer to the number one uh, quarterback. It's closer than any other position. So like the number 20 running back isn't anywhere close to the number one running back. The number 20 wide receiver isn't that close to the number one wide receiver. Wide receiver. And then the same thing for tight ends. Um, so it's, it's just replace. I mean, it's not sexy, but it's just, you know, it's just the numbers of it all. Uh, and then just once again, reminder that, um, you know, everyone that's a free agent is technically on your team. You just gotta go pick them up. They're, like, they're your minor leagues. The free agents are the minor leagues. So use them, you know? So everyone's like, oh, I want to keep this, you know, 15th best quarterback as my backup, just in case something happened. And it's like, well, you can have the, the 18th best quarterback at any moment if that injury were to actually occur. So instead of holding on to that 15th as a backup, you can take a, a running back that might save you, you know, which is much more likely to happen and much more likely to win you a league. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my quarterback spiel. Uh, I would – if a guy like Dak doesn't fall to you at, at the levels that I've kind of presented, the, the you know, the rankings I've presented, I would just take a guy late. Uh, a guy like Cam Newton, Ben Roethlisberger, I'm getting like the last round of my drafts. Um, both those guys – high upside and and they might they might stink well guess what is my last round pick i'll go pick somebody else up a joe burrow um you know a guy like daniel jones and joe burrow are guys that i think as the year goes on um they're going to be better too that you'll be able to pick up uh running backs uh that i like uh kind of named the top six that's going to be no, no different than most people's uh christian mccaffrey saquon zeke alf uh alvin mccarrick uh, excuse me derrick henry dalvin cook uh, Miles Sanders, I'm quite high on. He, he should be he should be a top 10 pick. Uh, if he's there, you know, any time, pretty much after eight or nine, you should be taking him. He's the running back for the Eagles. He's going to be quite good this year. Uh, Joe Mixon, I'm pretty high on. Um, you know, some guys I'm a little less uh, than consensus on. Melvin Gordon, should he just went to the Broncos? I, I really wouldn't touch him. I wouldn't rely on him. Uh, James Conner has just such a wide range of outcomes. I wouldn't rely on him, but he's got great upside. Um, some late round rookies, uh, maybe to look at. We have J.K. Dobbins of the Ravens, um, Antonio Gibson of the Redskins, um, you know Cam Akers of of the uh, Rams. Those type of guys. You know, I, for running back, I want those first 14, or I want to wait later and just get depth. And get depth and depth and depth, and then and wait for injuries and wait for things that to, to happen because there's no preseason. So what you might see is the first two or three weeks might look, and some some guys might not play, but week four, week five, they might start playing, and then by by the time you get to week eight, week nine, they're starters. So just remember, you know, the playoffs happen at the end of the year, not the beginning of the year. So so you know, your team might not look that great week one, but that's that's not the end goal. Um, then wide receivers. Uh, some guys I'm a little bit higher on. Um, Calvin Ridley of the Falcons, he's, he's a great pick. Um, DJ Moore of the Panthers, Terry McLaurin of the Redskins. Um, you know, some guys, uh, Will Fuller of the Texans. He's going to either, Will Fuller, 
is either going to break his leg or he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver. That's like, he might not be his leg, but he's going to either get hurt or he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver. There's no middle ground and we're getting him in like the seventh round, eighth round. So that, that's a guy you want to target. Um, wide receiver, lots of depth. Um, like I said, all the, all the real, uh, depth there is, is for rounds three, four, and five. That's really what you want to be targeting wide receivers. Um, and then tight ends, uh, if you can get Travis Kelsey or George Kittle, that's fine. They're both elite. They'll both be fine. I think Mark Andrews has a real chance to be in that top tier. Uh, Zach Ertz is a nice safe pick. After that, I wouldn't touch a tight end until at least the eighth or ninth round. Wait for maybe a, uh, a Mike Jasicki or a Hayden Hurst. Uh, and this is kind of like the opportunity cost thing. There's going to be it's, – it's a very deep position, so there's going to be good players in the free agency pool. You might have to be quick to flip them, but you know, you're getting guys like Rob Gronkowski real late. You're getting guys uh, – TJ Hawkinson, Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, guys like that that you – know, if you didn't get a tight end early, I would take two, maybe even three of those guys in the last three rounds or so, and I guarantee one of them will be a top five, top six tight end by the end of the year. All right, Rob, any questions before we move to a little bit of a mock draft? Let's hit that mock draft, dude. Let's, let's put you to work, see what it comes up with. All right. Let's roll. So uh, for the second second portion of this podcast, we're going to do a, an actual live mock draft that we got queued up right now. We also have an extra guest, uh, guest participant in here if you'd like to uh, give him a little introduction today. Yeah, so fa- fellow uh, Marylander. Uh, fellow uh, Rob joke maker, uh, good old uh, BK. What's going on? It's a pleasure and an honor, boys. I'm uh, presently watching the Capitals continue a capital disappointing season, as JR alluded to in the last podcast. But um, as with any DC sports addiction, we can't help ourselves. That, that's it. And, and, you know, it's not just sports we're addicted to here in, in the nation's capital. Uh, we have a long uh, leadership history of addiction and um you know one of mine is as fantasy sports uh marion barry had other addictions uh but yeah we're going to do a mock draft so bk is bringing up the rear we're doing a 10-man uh mock draft it's loading right as we speak bk is in the 10 hole rob is in the two hole and i'm in the five hole so it's going to be starting here uh about two minutes or so uh, the number one pick is easy. It's going to be Christian McCaffrey, which uh, I'm sure the bot slash person in first is going to draft. The real question is, who is Rob going to go with uh, at two? Who's Rob going to go with at two? Who will it be? Um, I got I got my eyes on something. I'm using Jay's tiers. I'm going to focus more on the tiers this time than the uh, the actual stack ranking. I use the stack ranking last year and i i can't remember if i made the playoffs or not i think i maybe lost the first round of the playoffs something like that yeah i think um yeah tears summarizes you really well that's all i have to say about that um bk you want to give us a little uh little background a little plug action on on what's happening in your uh neck of the woods before we get started here in about a minute and uh, 30 um living in oaktown pretty bummed that I'm not getting to go to the uh, the cement dumpster that is ODOT very near and dear in my heart. Uh, the vibe is very much like uh, the hallowed grounds of Camden, but instead of being in a nice part of the city, um, it's uh, just a cement dump. 
dump, but the fans are just as humble and get just as great. And, um, you know, uh, Jay, when when you get kicked out of the section and say, I, I thought this was an Orioles game, it's more or less the vibe. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, no ball in my backyard is, is a bummer. And actually, right now, we got ash on all day today. Uh, just air quality is poor, but the, uh, you know, that's cost of doing business, a California resident this this time of year, so kind of a bummer. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I guess... Uh, talking about substances we're afflicted with and such. Uh, all I'm going to say is I don't know why the hell I'm on a podcast right now. I, I think Jay bitch set me up. That's it. That's it. So uh, I don't know how much people could hear there because cutting in and out a little bit. The thing I bandwidth out in Oakland is uh, not to be trusted. But uh, I fucking, This is why I was trying to get that dial-in number, man. I was, I was all dialed in. Yeah, well, um, essentially, uh, if you want to do uh, BK a favor, wear a mask so you can get back to watching Oakland A's baseball and uh, have yourself a uh, Beyond Meat uh, fake sausage while you're at it. Rob, you're on the clock. Uh, Christian McCaffrey went first. Who will you take? Um, the top two available here seem like Saquon and Ezekiel. Um I just don't trust the Giants, man. I'm drafting Ezekiel Elliott. Ah, Ezekiel, yes. Just like your brother is named after a biblical figure. <laughs> Good pick. So, yeah, you're supposed to go Saquon there, but I can actually accept uh, Zeke. Dallas's offense is going to be electric. Uh, top six picks are kind of hard to get wrong. Uh, I'm going to go – oh, look, Alvin Kamara falls to me at, at five. I'm going to take Alvin Kamara. BK uh, is next up at – the 10-11 turnaround, what will he do out in Smokeland? Uh, that remains to be seen, um, Squad VP, but uh, seeing as how I've done zero research, I can assure you that whatever I do is probably what you should advise your listeners not to. <laughs> All right. Well, it looks like um, you got Dalvin Cook. So one pick away, Dalvin Cook. Got uh, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake. Who will you take? Uh, I'm not going to go uh, pack attack. And uh, I think that's probably a little bit of, um, you know, just sort of don't don't draft your team. Um, but I am kind of feeling drafting a little bit. Let's take a look at Jay's tiers here real quick. You got eight yeah. seconds. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. We'll go Julio Jones because he's an alien. A- excellent. So um, luckily we didn't have BK on the first part. He went wide receiver, wide receiver, which we specifically said not to do in the first round. <laughs> but <laughs> that's that's <laughs> That's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, I also liked you. I liked you not picking a Packer in a mock draft, which in in about 20 minutes will have no connection to you. Um, I like that to try to you know you don't want to jinx your team. Eddie plays all around is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, you know, 
I've I've learned more of what not to do. So this is perfect, like you said, perfect material here uh, for the listeners. Um, yeah, you passed on Joe Mixon. You passed on uh, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, Nick Chubb. Um, I, oh. I was actually I was thinking Mixon. I kind of like Mixon. Um, you know, uh, was it uh, the the legendary gambler who moonlighted as an announcer, Brett uh, Musburger, saying. You know, sometimes everybody in this world, we all just need to get second chance. Uh, I was not that benevolent individual. I am not as good as Brent Musburg. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, while that was happening, Miles Sanders fell to me at 16. Uh, he should not go outside the top 10. Um, Miles Sanders, that's a name you want, folks. And I know BK loves him some Miles Sanders. He, he got him last year in our uh, league we're in. Yeah, I think that's probably why I didn't draft him is because I drafted him on two teams last year and, uh, you know, didn't, didn't live up to what I was open. Jay, am I, going, uh, am I going Kenyon Drake here or, uh, or yes. reaching for a wideout? Kenyon no, Drake, 100%? Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake falls to you at 19. You absolutely take Kenyon Drake. Want those right. running backs. First two rounds, you want those running backs unless an elite wide receiver falls in your, your hands. Okay, and we're outside of the realm of elite wideouts. Correct, because uh, BK took t- uh, two of them way too early. <laughs> okay. I, I want, I, uh, since all this is being recorded, um, I want to look back on this and uh, see, you know, uh, the overall, uh, whatever these, you know, point net things happen. Uh, because I, I'm convinced uh, Ty Hill and Julio Jones are going to outperform all that garbage, that hot mess that was uh, was on my doorstep by the time it was selected. Yeah, I mean, that's the beautiful thing about recordings is uh, it'll be there. It's also being video recorded. I forgot to legally tell you about that. But, um, yeah, so we, we can definitely get that uh, squared away. I'll have uh, my legal team give you a, a call later. how well that's going to work out <laughs> for anybody. All right. Oh. Uh, I'm, I'm at 25 now. So I, I took Kamara and Sanders. And the, and the reason, BK, you don't take wide receivers early is because now I'm staring down uh, just a, an arsenal of great receivers who great value. Number one on my list right now, Kenny Galladay, uh, oh, baby Tron. Uh, get him. He's a great start wide receiver there for you. Got two good running backs. Now I got a solid wide receiver. Gives me a lot of flexibility in my next pick. BK gets to, uh, you know, come up to the the plate again after that great showing in the first and early second round with his third and fourth wraparound picks. What are you thinking, BK, as uh, you're staring down two back-to-back picks? To be perfectly honest, I really hate the wide receiver, excuse me, the running backs that are currently available again. So yep. that and that that's why you take running backs in the first round and <laughs> not in the situation you're in right now. Thank you very little. Yeah, um, I would I would probably definitely. There you go. You got yeah. you got Connor. Good. That's a good pick. So, all right. And uh, and I think we're going to go on Wisconsin here. Uh, and I'm just going to trying to click this little red box to see what their opinions on Melly Gordon are. Oh my God. No. So we're <laughs> wrong. Wisconsin running back. Jonathan Taylor is who you, I thought you were going with and I had a smile, but not there. Uh, you go. There so, you go. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, I did 
did have that cued, my dude. <laughs> um, but yes, I also didn't realize that Melvin Gordon was in a crowded backfield. Um, and uh, dude, you you talked me out of he had, he's got fangs though. He's got fangs for a head coach. Yes. That's, Yes, I, you know, I actually, no joke, about six weeks ago, was hanging out with Fangs' son. He went to Towson, a good friend of a friend, and uh, we we just uh, played some some cards and drank a bunch of beer and uh, talked about a lot of things. But yeah, you you do not want to be taking Melvin Gordon uh, in the first four rounds. Jonathan Taylor has a lot of upside. It's really connected to the Colts this year. Uh, I'm, I really think the Colts are going to do well. If you think last year, uh, at this time, Andrew Luck was their starting quarterback. He still hadn't retired yet. He retired essentially a week before the season started. I think we were all out in San Diego. Uh, That's the, correct. That happened. And, uh, yeah, so it's kind of hard when you're starting quarterback, you know, quits right before uh, week one. Uh, I think they're in for a big year, and, and Jonathan Taylor, especially as the year goes on. Rookies, you know, weeks one through four, he's not going to get a lot of love. Uh, but the playoffs are the second half of the year, obviously. And um, for going wide receiver, wide receiver, you kind of save yourself going Connor and uh, and Taylor there. One of those two picks is going to hit. The other one probably will get hurt or, or underperform. But at least you got one pretty stable running back, which is good. Um, I'm coming back up here. Uh, I'm looking at going to take another receiver. I'm going to go. Hmm. Cal. I want to take Calvin Ridley, but I can't pass on Amari Cooper right now, uh, especially because I am I am mega high on. Uh, the Cowboys offense, yes, I hate to say that, BK, uh, but I'll be looking to get back, uh, Dak Prescott later. Uh, and when you take a, a quarterback and a wide receiver from the same team, that's called stacking. And what that does is, you know, that gives you correlation. So if if one if the receiver has a good year, then that obviously means 90% of the time the quarterback's going to have a good year too. And, and since you're you're trying to go for your ceiling rather than your floor, stacking is is a very good strategy. Rob, you're on the clock here. What are you thinking? Rob seems to have some mic issues right now. I'm looking at uh, Rob. Uh, in, the, in the meantime, uh, I'm going to tell you that uh, Fangs, Big <laughs> Fangs, you looks like the guy in the crowd staring at the camera at Golick and Wingo live remote at the <laughs> South Bend Buffalo Wild Wings, and I would absolutely agree. <laughs> that is that is oddly precise, but uh, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Um, also shout out to the South Bend, um, B-dubs. I hope they're, they're, um, not been, you know, hit too hard by this. I'm sure a lot of their target demo though is, is not showing up with, uh, no football and, and uh, no school. Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, you know, uh, against their wishes, you know, they, they'd be there if they could. Right. So I'm here at 45. I don't like this pick, but it fell into my lap about 13 picks after his ADP. Todd Gurley, I'm, see, I, the, the thing about having Todd Gurley here is I already have two star running backs, so I'm not reliant on Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is, is in a very fragile situation. He's on a one-year contract with Atlanta. Um, but that's kind of a, a good thing from a fantasy perspective because that means Atlanta doesn't care if he, he gets hurt long-term. They, they're not tied to him by, uh, by this year. Um, but I'm not, he's not a core part of my backfield. So we're gonna go ahead and you know take his upside, but if he if he were to get hurt early, we can we can survive that. Um, but yeah, sorry BK, where you mentioned something about the the South Bend uh, 
Buffalo Wild Wings economy? No, no. But uh, I will also say that Vic Fangio looks like the Hawaiian tourist who adamantly refuses to be brought on stage during the Luau's big group dance number. Very good. Is this? This feels like a Lebetard bit. Is this a Lebetard bit? It is not. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. This is what Vic Fangio looks like. <laughs> These are facts. These are facts. All right, BK, you're coming up. Uh, after a better uh, showing in, in, with your third and fourth round picks, what are you thinking going into 4-5 uh, here? Kind of like – oh, crap. I did like uh, value on Le'Veon Bell, but uh, that went off the board. Uh, in that case, then, I think we're going to go volume here with uh, with a little pick. Nah, I'm not. I'm not the biggest on Robert Woods. DJ Chark, nice, very nice, like that. Okay, because I, I actually that was uh, that was an auto pick. I really didn't know. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens, but uh, no, nah, I don't really like a whole lot of what's cooking. We'll see. Yeah, brother Raheem is a, is a you know maybe not the the best pick, but definitely not the worst pick there. Um, you know, they, if he gets the full share of the uh, of the Niners' backfield, that that'll be good value there. But yeah, you're kind of in that running back uh, no go zone, um, which obviously, like we said, why you want to get those running backs early so you don't have to be reliant on running backs. Yeah. I figure at this point, if you're, you know, if you're playing with kind of crappy running backs, you're at least going to need a little bit of uh, risky depth, right? So that somebody can hopefully hit, but this is all a crapshoot at this point. Yes, yes. And that, it's a good point. After the pretty much the first four to five picks, this is why we kind of switched the tiers because you actually, this is where you win your, your draft. Um, the first, you know, five rounds are pretty default. Um, even even BK, where he kind of butchered it, but then he saved himself. It's it, you, you know, unless you do something really woeful, you can't mess up too bad. But this is really where you get your value. This is where you find guys who fall. Right now, we've got quarterbacks uh, being taken really quickly. I do think it's an appropriate place to take Dak Prescott. I think it's a little early for uh, Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. Uh, I'm here right now. I still don't have a tight end or a quarterback. Uh, I like Deshaun, but I think it's a little early for Deshaun. We got uh, Robert Woods, Kareem Hunt right now. So right now, what's so good about Kareem Hunt is he offers a great combination of a medium floor because he's going to be working as a pass catcher. Um, but if Nick Chubb were to go down, Kareem Hunt's a top five player. So we kind of we don't need him. He's there. We can maybe put him in flex if we need him. But uh, if Nick Chubb were to get hurt, he becomes a top five player. So it, it's kind of a, a, you know, no risk really and all upside. And since we're getting later in the draft, those are the type of picks we want. I want one of those picks, dude. Um, looking through this, we're into the part of the tiers that are hard to see. I'm going to go um, with someone I, I know who you're going to hate just to piss you off, dude. That David Johnson pick. It, David Johnson, I like that. It's a good pick. Getting him this late. Yeah, there. so there's a lot of sunk costs with David Johnson because the Cardinals gave up so much for him. 
and just unfortunately, ego and pride play such a, a, a an unfortunate role in uh, decision making at the NFL level. So the Texans coach, uh, Billy O'Brien, he's also the general manager, so he made the trade and he's the coach. Uh, everyone's like viewing it as the worst trade ever. That, that's how DeAndre Hopkins ended up in uh, Arizona. Mm-hmm. So he's at least the first half of the year is going to be um, playing a lot, and they're going to try to run him into the ground. Uh, but, yeah, he did look very dinged up at times uh, last year. But at this late in the draft, it's, it's a good pick. Man, I have so many running backs because this isn't a, a real uh, draft here. I am going to take a little leap of faith here for a wide receiver. I'm going to take uh, Will Fuller. A little early, but I love Will Fuller this year. Um, oh, boy. Took, he, him, took him right off the BKQ. Nice work. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Maybe he's not a good pick then. Uh, but, good boy. <laughs> no, but he's really got so much upside. He, he's either going to be a top uh, 10 wide receiver or he's going to get hurt. And this late in the draft, that's fine. If he gets hurt, we, you know, if he's out for the year, we cut him. If he's hurt, we put him on the IR and we pick up somebody else. Um, he's not one of those guys who's just going to be on your bench and, and never play. He's either going to, you know, they got to replace DeAndre Hopkins, just like we were talking about with the Texans, um, and, and there's nobody with more talent in the receiving corps more than Will Fuller. BK coming up uh, with the wraparound picks. No uh, no tight end or quarterback for you. What are you thinking? Um, actually, they just took my tight end, uh, uh, Waller, so we're going to have to go with – Number one, my dirty turf. Good turf, Steph Diggs. Number two for the tight end, going Evan Ingram. Okay, decent, decent pick there. Um, Evan Ingram is probably the last one I would consider wh- where you picked him, so I do like that. Uh, but if, like I said, if, normally if I don't get a top four tight end, like I haven't, uh, I usually wait till the late rounds to to take maybe two or three that I like. That being said, Evan Ingram is probably the last tight end that I feel confident by myself. Um, you know, I don't need to know the tight end if, let's say, I, I'm BK. Hey, you might want to draft one late. That, that's your own thing. But um, if, if he's healthy, Evan Ingram will be a top five, top six tight end. The, the question is, is, is he going to be healthy, obviously? I think you can ask that question of anybody in any season, uh, Suave P, but I might be wrong. You can, but he, he has more of a history than others. But obviously, yes, um, all of us could uh, get an injury tomorrow. No doubt about that. Here's, Some here's of us. an interesting question. Are they going to release antibody results? So this could be an element <laughs> of draft strategy that I am not privy to. Um, so, you know, the whole COVID situation and why we're drafting, that, that's kind of why we get depth. I, I can't answer your um, antibody question, uh, but I can say that uh, David Montgomery being this late is, is – I'm going to have to take him even though I have so many running backs because that's a crime for him to still be available. But uh, that's why you want depth is because there are going to be people out for COVID and then just normal injuries. Also, you know, they're having a modified training camp, things of that nature. BK, so your uh, your volume is all loud. Background. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry. Still, still loud. Uh, it's good now. Perfecto, perfecto. But yeah, 
No, you bring up a good question. I mean, we're in an uncertain season, and things such as loud TV volumes and uh, COVID, you know, things are, are going to happen. So that's why you want your depth. Um, but the biggest thing is there's no preseason, so we can't see who, you know, man, this rookie's really performing, or this new player on this new team's doing really well, or conversely, doing poorly. So um, the range of outcomes are, are so much more broad uh, in this setting. And um, yeah, so we want depth here. Depth is the name of the game. I can't even hear the Capitals game. I, I thought I, I pretty much muted that guy. I apologize. No, it's fine. It's more of I don't want to hear the Caps game. That's what it is. Well, right. Damn subconscious. I'm sorry, Swa. That's on me, Bubba. No, it's it's they just they're pissing me off and they just. I also did put a bet on the Islanders, not to win the game, but um, but yeah, to yeah. to advance. All right. Well, good for you. Mm, must be nice. All right, I am going to cave here and take a quarterback. Uh, Matt Ryan is a very just a, a tight range of outcome player. He's got a very high, or a relatively high floor, but not a high ceiling. I know I'm going to get decent uh, quarterback play, top eight quarterback play with him. I'll lock that in week in, week out. The best part is, is now I don't need to keep another quarterback on my roster. You know, maybe if somebody falls in value towards the end, but now I can keep stacking those running backs and wide receivers we want for value, and um, I don't have to take a you know quarterback later for depth because I you know I, I feel like I don't have a good quarterback. Um, no, that wasn't my strategy when the the draft started, but that's just how things sh- uh, kind of shook out. Um, like I said, after those first four or five rounds, that's kind of why you want to abandon the overall rankings and just hey, how's the draft playing out? BK, what are you thinking here with your wraparound picks? Um, based on what is already on the bench, based on the fact that I'm looking at these people and I have no idea that they were even on certain teams, it's pretty wild. It is. It is. Um, isn't, it, isn't it nice, though? You mock. You, you learn so much from mock drafting, right? I Yeah. I think I'm learning that I probably should spend more time before I draft any team. Um, yeah, like this last person that just got auto-drafted. I don't even know anything about this uh, Swift individual. Um, that's actually a great pick, D. Swift being 92. His ADP is like around 60, I think, in, in normal drafts. So, yeah, sometimes auto-pick, it, it works. Um, but yeah, and I mean, that, that is why you auto draft. I'm assuming that is why you, you mock draft though. You do learn a lot. You get in situations you, like you did in the third, fourth round saying, staring at that running back board saying, Oh my God, how did I get here? Uh, so that way when you do come around, whether you're playing with, uh, you know, the college buddies, you're playing for money, you know, you, you're making sounder decisions with a little more, uh, more foresight. Um, but yeah, the yeah, Swift was, uh, the, Running back from Georgia, I believe. He was like the 35th overall pick to the Lions. Lovely. I'm actually finding out after the fact that I drafted Drew Brees, um, which doesn't align with my political uh, or, um, you know, sort of civil rights views in general. So kind of seeing as how this is a live recording, uh, I want to make that clear. (laughs) Well, yeah, I forgot, you know, where you're from. Uh, probably could wear a uh, an Al Qaeda outfit before you could wear a Drew Brees uh, jersey. 
think you're damned if you do and damned if you don't there, Jay. I'm not trying to not trying to wear either of those outfits. Oh man, something tells me I wouldn't last long in Northern California. Dude, they they take you into the Oaktown tribe. We 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 got your back. I, I, I like it here. I'd definitely be in Oakland before I'd be across that bridge. That's for sure. Ain't no doubt mm-hmm. about that. Well, that's just because we can't afford it on our on yes. our meager salaries. Yes, yes, on our on our uh, you know mortal salaries. That's right. All right, the guy I'm about to take, Antonio Gibson. He's a great uh, late round flyer. I actually might not be able to take him because in mock drafts you can only take six running backs. Gosh dang it! But yeah, whoever has next pick, you should take Antonio Gibson in this uh, not real league. Who is Antonio Gibson, Jay? He is a first, or excuse me, third round pick from Memphis to the good old Washington football team. Since we're on the topic of politics in sports, uh, <laughs> Darius Geis just got cut from the team for making some poor choices and poor actions. Uh, so Antonio Gibson was kind of going to be used originally, thinking as this get, uh, gadget guy. Now he's probably going to be the number two part of their offense. Uh, tons of upside, like we said, this late in a draft, you're going to want to take upside. You know, hey, we get three, four weeks in the season. Sh- looks like, man, he's way in or over his head from this jump from Memphis to the NFL. We just cut him, pick somebody else up. Also, I, did go, tight, I, I did go tight end. Uh, Mike Gesicki, uh, your boy is a freak athlete. Mike Gesicki, down with Miami Dolphins. Uh, they've had two wide receivers opt out. So you got Devontae Parker. And Mike Gesicki, who are who are prime targets to ball out, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then eventually they'll get Tua in there, and he's not as polarizing in terms of either chucking a touchdown or chucking a pick like uh, Fitzpatrick, but he's probably an overall better quarterback uh, once he does get in there. That was an auto draft pick, by the way. I would never draft the Bears for or a Bear player for any reason. Really? Oh, unless very, it's unless it's smoking Jay Cutler, and that's just novelty. <laughs> I draft him this draft. Yes, Jay Cutler. Let me see if he is available in the player pool. Oh, he's not. He's not. Or that would definitely be an unacceptable last pick. Um, but yeah. yeah. So you pick the defense, or, or I should say the auto pick. Pick the defense. Um, I think this year you should not take a defense at all. You should take uh, or a kicker. You should take uh, all players, especially running backs and wide receivers, up until week one. Right before that Sunday, um, that way you're able to see who's actually starting, who's actually playing. Um, you know, without these preseason games, we're not going to know who is, you know, the true backup, who is the true starter for a lot of these matchups. So instead of you having the Chicago's defense, and, and first of all, defense is not sticky year to year. So the number one defense rarely repeats, um, and also the number one defense the year. Uh, that actual year, the previous year, is usually like the 10th to 20th, somewhere in that range. So it's very non-sticky. It's very random year to year. Um, so instead of taking defenses, we want to be taking uh, more depth guys, more high upside guys that, hey, if they don't work out, well, we cut them, and then we can pick up a defense the day of. Because the defense will always play, right? Chicago's defense is never going to get hurt. You can always pick it up. You can always pick up another team's defense. Uh, and really, a lot of the defensive points are, are random. They're mostly turnovers, return for touchdowns, and uh, and yeah. So that's my spiel on uh, on kickers and defenses. I buy it. Yeah. So you're, uh, saying, you're learning a kickers, lot. You learned a lot. Jay, kickers' lives matter. Um, they do. I, uh, they do. Yeah. 
as yeah. much as I agree with that, I, I at least, you know, I, I think that you, you, you know, in the spirit of it, you have to act accordingly. You do. And actually, kickers are just as predictive. At, like, excuse me, they're, they're, like, you can predict who the best kickers are going to be uh, more so than not every position, but, but there are less predictable positions than kicker. So, you know, if you wanted to take a Justin uh, Tucker, you wanted to take a Harrison uh, Butler or whoever the uh, kicker is for the Chiefs, that's the type of ones you want to be taking. You want to be taking the um, uh, high offenses, good skilled kickers. They usually will always be top three. The reason I never take them is because when that week comes up and a kicker like Justin Tucker, whoever owns Justin Tucker, goes on a buy, they never, very rarely do they hold on to Justin Tucker. What do they do? They cut Justin Tucker mid-year. So to pick up a kicker for one week, and then when that guy cuts Justin Tucker in week eight, week nine, you pick him up, and then you know you just have to play the other kicker for one week, and then voila, you have the best kicker. So that's that's the kicker. Are there any late round guys, Jay? We're talking twelve through fifteen uh, that you are extra high on uh, doing your research. Yes, absolutely. I do like taking a lot of running backs here, especially the handcuff types. Alexander Madison, I mean, Dalvin Cook last year was healthy for most of the year. He still missed most of the fantasy playoffs, um, but he always gets hurt, uh, and he would be a top 10 play, so he's a good pick. Chase Edmonds, the backup running back. Um, Cliff Kingsbury's talked about him being a big part of their offense, even without Kenyon Drake. Also, Kenyon Drake has never rushed for more than 650 yards. He's never been a stable back. So he's dra- getting drafted in the top 15, top 20. Um, but he very easily could get hurt. He's never you know, logged those miles. Even back in Alabama, he was never a full-time back in college. Um, so Chase Edmonds isn't one you like. Um, Tony Pollard for the Cowboys, he's complete handcuff. But if he, if Zeke were to get uh, you know, hurt or whatnot, Tony Pollard's a top 5, top 10 uh, starter. Um, some of the wide receivers late I really like. Mecole Hardman, uh, I mean, just unbelievable speed. Tyreek Hill actually did just get hurt. Uh, it was a minor injury. This actually, I just got this report about 10 minutes ago. It's a minor strain, but he was hurt last year as well. They play essentially the same position. Right now, um, you know, Mecole Hardman is essentially the same player as Tyreek Hill, so he's kind of blocked. But it's one of those things, just like a handcuff running back, if, if he were to be out for a long time, he immediately jumps into a, a major role. Um, so, yeah, those are some, some law, uh, late guys I like, BK. Roger that. And do you normally draft two quarterbacks or stick to one? Yeah, so I it, it depends. Normally stick to one, and that's because I just want to you know get as much depth as possible. Uh, but let's say I didn't get a guy like Matt Ryan. Let's say I got a lower tier quarterback as my starting quarterback. I would probably take two at that like tier three, tier four. Uh, but because Matt Ryan is so stable, uh, I w- you know I'm only gonna have one. Now in your you have a Drew Brees. I would probably take another one. Drew Brees is very uh, he's he's similar to Matt Ryan, but he has a little bit lower of a floor. Some of that is Taysom Hill. Um, you know robbing some of his uh, touchdown throws and things of that nature and some of his snaps. Uh, I would probably pair um, Drew Brees with maybe a Daniel Jones, who's got a really tough early schedule, or maybe a Jimmy Garoppolo, who uh, they might, they're they not going to run the ball nearly as much. 
uh, as they did last year. I don't think the Niners are going to be as dominant of a team. They're going to be a good team, no doubt about it, but they're not going to be as dominant of a team. Uh, so Jimmy G is a good pick. A guy you don't have to draft, but you could pick off the waiver wires. Joe Burrow is going to be probably week four, five. He's going to be more available. It looks like he just got drafted by Robinson. Classic. Um, and But you still got Tannehill, guys like that. So there's plenty of guys uh, you can get late at quarterback. I think uh, you got to give. Joe, some credit there. It's it's big dick Burrow, man. Yeah. Oh, he he's going to be a star. And I actually like Cincinnati a lot this year. It's just really hard to um, be a rookie starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and then the whole COVID thing makes it so much harder with no preseason games, no nothing. But if I were to pick one guy, it would be Joe Burrow. I mean, I think, what, two – Let's say two years ago, so 26, 27 months ago, he was a backup quarterback at Ohio State. Now he's like maybe he had the best uh, quarterback season of all time in college football. I mean, yeah, it's very impressive. Oh, I just like uh, name dropping nicknames, man. I have no idea what's going to happen. He's on the Bungles. Who, who fucking knows? They had uh, the Red Rocket for a decade, so. Right. Right, yes, nicknames are fun. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. All right, last pick. Wow. You know, they say all good things, right? Um, hmm, I'm probably going to go with a – I already have two tight ends. I might go with a third just to kind of tie a bow on things. Some good light tight ends. Chris Herndon from the Jets. Um, well, I got auto-picked. Damn it. 30 seconds. Oh, no, and you got the lambs. Oh, oh no, defense. Frick. Yeah. Yeah, my drafts are a minute long, but these are these mocks are 30. All right, BK, how are you going to wrap up this uh, this draft here? Uh, I, I I think uh, mock drafts are silly, as as evidenced by how poorly I've done and um, why I do poorly in the regular season. But um, I do believe very strongly in the sort of Mr. Irrelevant pick and seeing as how I'm drafting last, it makes it all that much more, you know, sort of emphatic. So um, and like every Mr. Irrelevant pick, I think it needs to end with some comedic value, which is super easy in this instance. Kirk, because you like that. You fucking like that. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, BK, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, is there any Beyond Meat plugging we could do here uh, before we uh, wrap up this episode? What the fuck is Beyond Meat? Meat uh, is meat. Meat is meat, right. Uh, but there's this uh, this company. Can you just let the viewers know, you, you're, what, the fifth most tenured person at that company? Oh, boy. Um yeah, I I joined up in a startup company that happened to fucking IPO in like seven years. That's weird. And yeah, it's been a fun ride, but we make tasty grub. And uh, 95% of the people that eat it aren't vegan. So don't give me the bullshit, oh, it's for vegans. No, it's just tasty. I, I get, the, uh, get, the, get the breakfast sausage patty. They're, uh, they're, they're giving Jimmy Dean his, uh, his run for his money. I love it. I will co-sign. They, they are delicious, and uh, I am, last time I checked, not a vegan, so uh, I, I, I am part of that 95%. Uh, 
Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on and demonstrating the importance of mock drafting. Uh, is there anything you want to say before we uh, tune out? Cheers. Stay healthy. Stay well, everybody. Salud. Peace.